Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Hi, I'm Caroline Casper, and on behalf of the Equity Foundation and the Actors' Benevolent Fund of New South Wales, we would like to welcome you to the Equity Foundation Health and Wellness Series. Firstly, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations, which is the land on which we work. I live on Bidjigal land, and I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of country throughout all our country, recognising their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Kia ora to New Zealand neighbours. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy our show. (laughs) As we all know, we're in a unique situation at the moment with uh, COVID shutting down the entertainment industry. But what we've realised is that as practitioners in the creative industries, um, indications are that we're under serious mental health stresses. So our hope is that this series will go some way to understanding and developing tools to deal with the challenges that we are facing. Today's session is part one of a two-part series on identity and will run for approximately 30 to 40 minutes. Due to scheduling demands, this is a pre-recorded session, so if you have any questions that you would like answered, please weld them through via email to info at equityfoundation.org.au and we will endeavour to get you your answers post this event. Now, it is my extreme pleasure to introduce Dr. Julie Crabtree. Julie, as you know, for those who have joined us before, she's the go-to person on health and well-being in the creative mind space. Her work with people in the creative industries draws on over 27 years of experience as a psychologist in both private practice and with organisations. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology and her doctoral research into creativity and mental health means that she is at the forefront of our understanding of what it is to be creative and healthy. By creative, we also mean not just cast and performers, but crew and production as well. We have unique needs within this sphere. And so, without further ado, I would love to introduce you to the wonderful Dr. Julie Crabtree. Thank you, Carolyn. I live on Gadigal land, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back. This is our session on identity. And before we kind of begin into that, I want to do a little bit of revision on one of our earlier sessions where we talked about resilience because in some ways this session on identity fits in to our previous sessions on resilience. As you may recall, we talked about, in module one, we talked about mastery, learning new skills, growth and values. In module two, we talked about flexibility, managing emotions, And in module three, we talked about relationships. Now, in this session, we're going to be looking at identity as part of our overall resilience. So remember, resilience we defined as the ability to tolerate disturbance without collapsing, to withstand shocks, and to rebuild when necessary and to improve. In the context of our understanding of resilience, I'll briefly talk about the reasons why the creative person needs to be particularly resilient. And this is because as a creative person, you have unique cognitive 
and personality vulnerabilities that mean that it's harder for you to kind of manage things like skinlessness, like your own empathic ability, like your very rapid fluid thinking and other aspects of what it means cognitively and personality-wise to be creative. We introduced a, a framework for talking about resilience. And you, as you can see, one of those aspects of the framework was identity. And we're going to do a deep dive into identity in this session. So what is identity? And how is it important to our resilience as creative individuals? So we understand identity as being a consistent view of self. It's how you see yourself over a long period of time. And I want you to uh, draw your attention to Game of Thrones because I can only watch parts of it, but in the parts that I have watched, what we understand that each of those characters has got very unique and distinct identities. Daenerys, for example, who is mother of dragons. Wouldn't you love to have that as your identity? We understand our identity is drawn from a number of different aspects. Some of them are kind of our basic tendencies. And the five that I've got there listed are, stem from a very common framework of personality that is often used in research. So it's sensitivity, high neurosis, extroversion, openness, which I've already talked about as well, agreeableness and conscientiousness. Often we've got kind of core themes of one or two of those aspects that help to define our basic tendencies in terms of our identity. You may see yourself as being an extrovert or you may see yourself as being an introvert. You may see yourself as being a highly conscientious person. You may see yourself as somebody that generally tries to get along with people particularly well. They're kind of your basic framework of personality. So as I talk through these things, even have a pen and paper in front of you and jot down the things that you feel relate to you. You know, do you see yourself as extrovert? Do you see yourself as introvert? Do you see yourself as somebody that is highly conscientious or maybe a little bit lower down on that framework? Just begin to jot those things down. We next look at the second aspect of our identity. This is our self-beliefs. The things that we say about ourselves, about ourselves, they often stem from our family of origin. You know, I was always known in my family of origin as being somebody that was very chaotic, who would lose things. Not so now, but it was certainly part of my earlier self-beliefs. The narrative, historical where we grew up, the, the biological aspects that we bring to how we understand ourselves, our physical appearance, you know, whether we see ourselves as short or tall, how we describe our physical attributes. These form all part of our, our identity, how we see ourselves. The other things are the attributes, our values. And we've talked in our early sessions about how our values should drive our behaviours. Habits, you know, are you somebody that is highly disciplined in your habits? Are you somebody that sees yourself as being less disciplined? So again, as, as I'm talking about these things, just jot down your myths, your family myths about yourself, your narrative about where you grew up, your physical appearance, and some of those attributes. 
And then it comes to the external aspects, which is cultural, you know, if you have particular ethnicity, social, if you see yourself as being belonging to a particular kind of social group. Certainly the arts industry is a very tribal industry and people identify very strongly with that tribe. Life events, if you feel that there have been life events that have, that have defined you and organisationally. So these are the ways we often see ourselves and define ourselves in terms of our identity. And these are very kind of important core aspects to who we are. And I think our resilient self needs to understand how to protect our identity, how to provide those protective layers that we need for our, our sense of self. An unprotected identity is a very vulnerable and a very identity lacking resilience. So understanding you, your authentic self, understanding your self-beliefs, your attributes, your narrative, understanding your external attributes. This we can define as your, your authentic self. And I guess one of the questions, who do you let see your authentic self? Who knows those kind of more deeper aspects of who you are and how you are? I'm going to show you a very brief interview with Brene Brown where she talks about this idea of identity and this idea of the resilient creative identity. So I invite you to listen to this now. What I wanted to do going into this research is I asked myself, who rises strong? Who gets their asses kicked on a regular basis and gets, they get back up with more tenacity and courage just in the course of a day? That was my question. So the very first answer I had, creatives. And it was a weird mix. It's creatives, special forces, veterans, um, people who just, you have to rise because it's part of your job. And so the thing that I, you know, when you're a creative, every day you wake up, you walk into the dark. Every day you, you do this with your life and your work. And you show us something that you've made and something that you've done and something that's important to you. And it never goes well every time. But it's your job to either dismiss the feedback that's just hurtful and not gonna be helpful, or bring in the feedback that's helpful, and to get back up. You have to get back up for a living. Every day. Every day. So did you hear those words? I think they were very powerful words. And that is the creative is seen to be one of the most resilient because they have to be. They have to have a resilient identity because they have to open themselves up so consistently. So the resilient identity is the person who can spring back or rebound after stress or pressure. And when we think about the resilient identity, it holds both inflated and deflated ego states. And I'll talk about that a bit later. A resilient identity has a clear, stable and accurate self-identity. A resilient identity is able to protect their public and or creative self. A resilient identity is able to rebound and spring back after rejection. A resilient identity is able to receive accurate affirmation and receive nourishment from an affirming community. Sounds so, so wonderful, doesn't it? But it's harder to achieve. I want to take you back to some material we talked about in our earlier sessions. 
We talked about the fact that the creative person is tidal and has kind of highs and lows. And I want to particularly talk in this session about the ego and the fact that the creative person has to have what we would call an inflated ego. That means they have to feel that they've got something to offer. When they step up on stage, when they produce their creative material, they have to ha believe that it is the best thing ever. They have to believe that they are special. When they walk off stage or you submit your work, that's when you go, oh, that was terrible. I can't believe I did that. What a terrible performance. So those in the performance industries often move between that inflated and deflated ego. And how do you manage that with a resilient identity? You have to have a resilient identity. You have to have a very clear and secure sense of self. That's the way you navigate the stresses and strains on, your, on yourself through just working in the industry or not working in the industry. And so if we think about that word ego in the, in the middle, another way of thinking about that is we are anchored by our resilient creative identity. I want to show you this and it's a really, I think quite wise and insightful rabbinic um, saying, which is a person should carry two stones. On one stone should be written, the world and everything in it was created for me. And on the other stone should be written, I am dust and ashes. And so it's this idea of having a resilient identity and you move between the inflated and the deflated ego. But at your central core is a belief about who you are. Remember, we talked about you are your qualities, your attributes, your, your belief about yourself, your cultural framework, all of these things that anchor you in who you are. That allows you to move between the inflated and the deflated ego. And that's why it's incredibly important to know how to preserve and protect our creative identity. I want to show you a brief excerpt from an interview with Sam Neill. This was on the documentary, A Show Must Go On, um, produced by Ben Steele. And it's an extraordinary insight into these things that I was talking about, the inflated and the deflated ego, and how important it is to have a secure sense of self. As you listen to this, this interview, I want you to think for yourself about what your stable, consistent, creative identity may be. I think uh, being a performer is tough, but I think working actually kind of, if you're subject to depression, you're actually working, you're working on something that's joy enjoyable, it's sort of the darkness goes away. But if you're not getting a job, that darkness can close in on you. And I have had a few periods in my life where um, I'm not working and I feel that darkness closing. When I did get a job, I thought, how did I get that job? I don't, um, when are people gonna find out that I can't actually act? Do they know that I'm not trained? <laughs> do, do, can they tell that I am utterly terrified through, on the, in the read-through? Can they tell this? If you think of yourself as an actor or a dancer or a singer and you're not singing and you're not acting, or you're not dancing, what are you? 
most people are between jobs. What are you between jobs? And if you think of yourself as an actor and you're not actually acting, you're kind of no one. This is how it's possible to see yourself. And the, the way out of that is to actually separate yourself from your profession. That's what I do. That's not what I am. I do acting, but I'm not an actor. I don't think of myself as an actor, actually. I'm wondering if you noticed, as Sam Neill talked about the inflated and the deflated ego, how he could very easily have this sense that he just wasn't good enough. Um, and we would see him as a highly successful actor. And what he talked about is the secret of being a mature, a performer, an actor who has worked out how to make sense of this. And that is, he has worked on his identity. And his identity isn't as an actor, dancer, writer, director. It's what he does. And so I ask you to spend time mapping out the broader sense of your identity. Your identity is more than if you get a role or not. Your identity is more than if you get work as a director or on working on a crew. Your identity is based on all of those factors that I talked about before. Your attributes, your historical framework, your values. And so think about and frame your identity in those terms, not just in terms of what you, you do for a profession. Because if your identity is solely anchored in what you do as a profession, then right now you would be struggling. Right now you would be having difficulties. And I have seen and observed people over this period of time dig down deep into working out what their identity is when they are not performing, when they are not going for auditions, when they are not on, on crew and when they are not on sets. They have had to do some of that hard work of, of forming an identity that is beyond what they do. And I think that it, this is in one ways part of the, the positive of this period of time. In some ways, you know, we, we leave school, we go into acting school or other kind of forms of training and we propel ourselves into work. And we don't spend the time to work out who we are. And the, the world of the performance industry is such a compelling world. It costs us so much to be in the world in this type of work that it means that we can channel all of our energy into that identity. It's, it, we only socialise with the people in the industry. We only see ourselves in this one narrow sphere. What this period of time has given people an opportunity to do and will continue to give people an opportunity to do is to dig down deeper into their broader identity. And, and I would encourage you to do this work because this work of having a secure, solid sense of who you are is going to help you when you go through the, the rhythms of the inflated and deflated ego, where you come off a performance and just go, oh, I, I can't do it. When you go back 
to some of the auditions or the work on set or on stage and you just go, I've, I've, it's glossed, I, I've gone, I can't do it anymore. What you can do is go back to what you know about yourself. I am, I am this. I do acting, I do directing, I do work in films, I do set design, but I am this. You navigate the inflated and deflated ego with a secure identity. My homework for you is to spend some time writing out your particular I am. Writing out all of those things that are part of your identity and feel it as an anchor for yourself. It's like your ballast that will help you as you go back working. It will help you now. You are more than whether you get a role or not. You are enough whether you get that role or not. You are secure in who you are, whether you feel like they wanted somebody that was taller or skinnier or blonde or red-headed or whatever. You are, you are more than that. You are more secure of that, than that. Have people around you that affirm your identity, that remind you who you are. And when you are feeling wobbly, as we do with our inflated and deflated ego, then have your people around you that will say to you, no, you are, you know, you are amazing. You are this person to me. You know, getting back to what I said before, I would love somebody to say I was mother of dragons. I really would. Uh, you know, I, I would love to have that kind of sense of, you know, having this amazing identity sense of self. Spend the time journaling. Spend the time asking people to affirm you for who you are. And use this period of time that was not available for you perhaps in your, your early periods of your career to do this work on identity. Because in 10 years time, having a very secure identity is gonna help you be a resilient artist in the long term, a resilient director in the long term, a resilient person in the industry in the long term. So we're gonna finish there and our next session will be continuing this journey of exploring identity. Thanks, Carolyn. Thank you so much, Julie. I just do you have any uh, do you have any thoughts for people that have recently entered the industry? So recent graduates who are just starting out mm. and work stops, and they would have just been developing their sense of identity and who they are, and a lot of it is wrapped up in that study and the, yes. in the pursuit of it. Do you have any thoughts about how? I mean, obviously. You just said the I am, but if we, yeah, if we could, um, if I could just get your thoughts on what it is to be a young performer, just, you know, just on the cusp of breaking out. I, I think that one of the things to understand is that we don't fully form our, our identity until we're about 25, 26. And so often the industry means that we are poured into particular roles at a very early age before we have the opportunity to work out who we are. Mm. And we are valued because of our ability to pour ourselves into roles, mm -hmm. to become very other. And so I would see this period of time rather than a 
something that is going to negatively impact yourself in a career, I, I would invite that person to go, no, do the work, do the work, rather than kind of moving and, and absorbing yourself into roles. Just spend some time alone working out who you are mm. because that will help you stay in the industry for a long term rather than moving from role to role and establishing an insecurity about who you are mm. and where you see your value and worth being in the roles that you put on rather than who you are. And so I, I, would, I would flip flip it from, oh, look, my career's going to be impacted to, no, no, you can do some really important work now. Yeah, a lot, and I think in, in our industry, a lot of, um, a lot of our sense of self-worth comes from the acknowledgement of others. So whether you do get a job, whether you are booked for, a, booked for a gig again, whether the audience are applauding or there's that external seeking of mm. that, it seems to me that we, you know, we talk about the COVID pivot, but, it's, but it actually is so linked into your sense of identity too, mm. isn't it? Yes. When you can discover other mm. attributes mm. and what you have to offer and... I love the idea of the I am because I go, oh my gosh, it's multifaceted. Mm. It just, yes. it yes. can be, can't it? It just, yes. and um, I love Sam talking about that fraud syndrome. Oh my gosh. Yes. We all feel, don't we all feel it though? Completely. Yeah. Completely. And it was, I think it was incredible that he was able to articulate something. As a mature seasoned actor, he was able to talk about these things that I think lie hidden. And I think he gave a gift to a whole lot of particularly young emerging mm. um, actors and, and performers to encourage them to do what he has done. That, that shift is, I think, powerful. Mm. Not, I am an actor, but I do. It, yes, it's, I do, yes. It invites a whole lot of exploration around I am. So we talked with some of the resilience stuff, we talked about mentorship and finding people you admire, work you admire to inspire you, mm. to keep you going. Would it be worthwhile for younger younger performers, younger crew people, young, younger pr producers, like the mm. emerging producers, yes. to seek out particularly those older, more seasoned mm. people that have been through mm. all of this yes. to help mentor them. Mm. I mean, I, that, seems, yes. that seems like a good idea to me. Yes. <laughs> and, and as I, I discussed with that, they don't have to be people that are immediately in your world. You can learn mm. if you position yourself. Again, as we talked about being a lifelong learner, you can position yourself to learn and glean from people and to allow it to touch and frame you and affirm you. And I think that that's kind of what we're talking about. And that's why I'm, I'm showing some of these incredible kind of videos where you can learn from these people that have done the hard work, yeah. that have dug down deep, that have worked some stuff out for themselves mm. and they're giving it mm. as, as a gift. And being forced to dig down deep through yes. circumstances or... Yes, yes. yes. Adversity is not mm. something that we should see as being a negative for ourselves as a creative identity, as Brené Brown talked about. You know, she sees creative people as being those that are the most resilient because they have done the work. And I think I, I've invited those particularly the younger emerging to do this work of identity mm. because the audience is not a credible place of determining your identity. A casting agency 
or a, a casting a director is not a credible person to determine your identity. And it's great when you stop giving them that ability to tell you whether you're okay or not. Because you are okay whether you get the role or not. You're okay whether you get the applause or not. Because you can walk off and, and have this very anchored, solid sense of, I know I'm all right. And having people around you that in those times when you are incredibly wobbly, they remind you and say, you know you're great. You know, you may not have got the role, but you know you're great. You may not have got the job, but you're an amazing person, you mm. know. They tell you your, your value and worth and identity. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Your support system is, mm. is integral. And also the antisocial nature of what we do when we're, yes. crea when we're creating and when we, we are, mm. means that we do become very tribal yes. because we're not accessible mm. to other people in our support networks. And I, I wonder too, I wrote down before, um, acknowledging the inherent greatness in others. Mm. I imagine with you, and you, you were expounding on that a little bit, I, I imagine that that would help you with your own mm. identity and yep. self-worth, knowing that, well, observing and relishing in the wonderfulness mm. of others around us and going, my gosh, they're so talented and they're mm. doing this. It, yes. it doesn't mean you can't, it means mm. if, well... The better they are, the better we all are, kind yes, of thing. Yes. So and a secure identity allows you to do that. Yes. An insecure sense of self moves you into paranoid thinking, moves you into that unhelpful criticism competitiveness. A secure identity celebrates it all. Yeah. Social media is not a credible determinant of your whether you're okay or not. Yeah. So stop giving it yeah. that, that license to do that. Power, yeah. Mm. Dr. Crabtree, thank you so much. And thank you to you all for joining us today. Thank you again for sharing all your knowledge and insights. Uh, we would like to also say another huge thank you to the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales, without whom this series just would not be possible. Uh, if you have any questions that you would like answered about today's session, please whirl us through an email to info at equityfoundation.org.au and we will endeavour to get that answered for you. We keep your eyes peeled to our Facebook page, to the e-bulletin, to the website. Chat to your friends, tell them about it. Keep them peeled. We have other events coming up in this series. Again, thank you so much. Join us again soon. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.